0: Good morning. My name is Lynn Monroe, and I'm a volunteer here at Spring Branch. I lead the prayer ministry, and I teach adult classes. I am not on staff, and I do not have a seminary degree, so please bear with me in this. I'm one of y'all. So Michael asked me to do this for him uh, so that he and Gail could get some rest. And I was very happy to do this because I know they put in a lot of time and energy and work very, very hard to serve this church, so I was happy to be able to contribute to their rest I'll tell you how I really feel about doing this at the end, however. So picture yourself on a boat, and you're on a boat with Jesus, and he's sleeping, and you're in the middle of a terrible storm. What do you do? We'll look at three things that we can do in the middle of those kind of storms today. Do we have any boaters here? see a couple hands. I'm not a boater. Anybody been on a boat in a storm? Yeah, unfortunately I have too. I was engaged to my husband, Bill, at the time, and we were going to go scuba diving for our honeymoon. Bill was certified, I was not, so I was doing my last open water dive to get certified. We were going an hour out of Rudy Inlet, and it was a beautiful summer, sunny day. Sky is clear, the seas are calm, we go, do the dive, come back up, and by the time we come back up, everything had changed. The sky was black, it was raining, it was thundering and lightning, and the seas were rough. We scramble back onto the boat, and we have an hour to go back in this storm. Waves are crashing over the boat. Waves are pounding the boat. I really thought we were going to sink, and I was terrified. Now, I don't know what you would do in a storm, in a situation like this, but what I did was I prayed. I prayed the whole way back, and it was probably harder and longer than I'd ever prayed in my entire life, but thankfully, we did make it back. And I was very glad that I was in a seaworthy craft and not on a life raft. If I had been on a life raft in that storm, I would have drowned. The storm came up out of nowhere, and very, very quickly I felt powerless, overwhelmed, completely out of control, and helpless. Storms can do that to us, can't they? Does anybody feel like that today? Anybody ever feel like that? I think we can all relate. So we're familiar with storms here in Virginia Beach. Just about a month ago, we had a tornado that hit the eastern shore. It came up very suddenly and caused great destruction and, sadly, death. We have hurricanes, we have nor'easters, we have tornadoes here. We also face different types of storms in this life, though. We face storms like illnesses, the sudden death of a loved one, job losses, relationship problems, financial problems. For those of you who are students, going back to school might be a storm. For those of you who are in the military, certainly deployments and war, those are big storms. For those of us who are parents, our children's choices can be storms sometimes, can't they? For our son, just going off to Virginia Tech again, that's a little storm. My daughter, she's getting her driver's license in about a month. That's another little storm. We face big storms, and we face little storms. We also face storms that can be internal. Storms like rage, fear, anxiety, doubt. We face all kinds of storms in this life. How are we going to make it through the storms? I'm going to define storms this way. A storm is anything that makes us feel like we're out of control, where we know we're in over our heads, where we are not secure and we need help. So a storm is anything that makes us feel that we are out of control, where we know we're in over our heads, where we're not secure and we need help. Anybody feel that way lately? I think we can all relate. I know some of you probably do feel this way. About a month ago, Michael asked us to fill out a card with prayer requests, and the prayer team and I prayed for these prayer requests. I personally prayed for over 300 of these prayer requests, and I know we're facing some storms. So how do we make it through these storms? How do we make it through the storms without drowning? We better be in a seaworthy craft and not on an undependable life raft, right? What is a seaworthy craft to get us through the storms of life? Well today we're going to look at Luke chapter 8 verses 22 through 25 and hopefully we'll all see that following Jesus will get us through the storms to the other side and we can learn to trust Jesus even when it feels like he's sleeping through our storms. Do we trust him? Do we want to? What does that look like? How do we do that? That's what we're going to look at today. So people have different views of the Bible, right? Some people look at it as a history book and it is that. Other people look at the Bible as a guidebook for life or a user's manual, so to speak, and it can be that as well. In Luke chapter 24, verse 27, it says, beginning with Moses, which is the first five books of the Old Testament, and all the prophets, which is a lot of the rest of the Old Testament, he, meaning Jesus, explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. So Jesus is saying the Old Testament is about him. We know the New Testament is about him. The Bible really is a book about Jesus. It's a book that helps us get to know Jesus. It's the way we can get to know Jesus and get to know him better and get to know him well. So we're going to look at these verses in Luke chapter 8 today to get to know Jesus. One day Jesus said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side of the lake. Jesus tells his disciples to leave the crowds, and there was a crowd there, to follow him to get in his boat and go with him to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. So they got into a boat, and they set out. As they sailed, he fell asleep. A squall came down on the lake so that the boat was being swamped, and they were in great danger. These squalls were not uncommon on the Sea of Galilee. Warm air would lie on top of the lake, and it's surrounded by mountains. Cold air would come in over the mountains, and when the hot air and the cold air clashed, great squalls would come up. So the disciples went, and they woke him, saying, "'Master, master, we're going to drown.'" He got up and he rebuked the wind and the raging waters. The storm subsided and all was calm. Where is your faith? He asked his disciples. In fear and amazement, they asked one another, Who is this? He commands even the winds and the water, and they obey him. These disciples asked, Who is Jesus? It's a question a lot of people still ask. Who is Jesus? Some of us might be asking that same question. We're going to look at these verses now to figure out more about who Jesus is. We're also going to look at these verses to figure out how we can survive the storms without drowning. So we're going to look at three things. And the first thing we see as we look at these verses is that Jesus leads. Sometimes it's into a dangerous storm. We see that here. Jesus makes the plan, and his followers follow him. They get in his boat, and they go with him. Only some people got in Jesus' boat. We know this from the same account in the Gospel of Mark. There was a crowd on the shore... Only the disciples left the crowd, followed Jesus, got on his boat, and went with him. So who are you following? Are you following anybody? I follow some people on Facebook. One of the people I follow is a man named Tim Keller. You're familiar with him because Michael did a series on one of his books this summer. He's a pastor at a church in New York City. He's a Bible teacher, and he's an author. He's one of my favorites. And a lot of what I'm sharing with you today, I've learned from listening to him, from reading his books over the years. So I follow him on Facebook. He posts something daily, some encouraging word, and it's very risk-free for me to follow him. He doesn't ask anything of me. I can unfollow him anytime I want. I don't have to read what he says. It's very different being a follower of Jesus, though, isn't it? When we follow Jesus, he makes the plan, and his followers follow him. This is hard. It's hard for me. I like to make the plan. I want everybody to come along on my plan, including Jesus, and help me accomplish my plan. That's not how it works, though, being a follower of Jesus. Following Jesus means he leads. Sometimes he leads us where we don't want to go. He asks something of us. Sometimes when we follow him, we feel we are at great risk. We see that in this passage. So are we following Jesus? I didn't start following Jesus until I was about 28 years old. Up until that point, I admired and respected Jesus from afar, but I certainly wasn't following him, and I certainly wasn't living life his way. I was thinking at the end of my life that all the good things I did would hopefully outweigh the bad things, and it would all work out okay. Then I met a friend, and she convinced me to go with her to a Bible study, something I'd never done before. And I went with her, not really willingly, but she got me there. And for the first time, I heard Ephesians Chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, which says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith in Jesus, and this is not from yourselves. It's the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. I learned that eternal life is a gift received by faith in Jesus, and over time I believed that. That's when and how I got in Jesus' boat, and I began following him. I accepted him for who he is. I believed he died and rose again, and I've been following him ever since. Have we gotten into Jesus' boat by faith in him, and are we going with him? Do we believe he is who he says he is? Are we trying to follow him and live life as he directs? To get through the storms without drowning, we need to follow Jesus. We need to get in his boat and go with him where he leads, because following Jesus will get us through the storms to the other side. Secondly, we see in this passage that Jesus isn't stressed by the storms. He actually sleeps through a dangerous storm to the point where his disciples think they're about to drown. In Mark chapter 4 verse 38, the same account of this in the Gospel of Mark, the disciples ask, "Don't you care if we drown?" They knew that they were about to drown. So we learn a few more things from this passage. First, we see that following Jesus doesn't eliminate the storms from our lives. When we follow Jesus, there will be storms. Life is difficult. We live in a very broken world. It's a false belief to think that if we follow Jesus, he will eliminate all the storms from our lives. That's obviously not the case. Storms will come. We should expect storms. Jesus said in John chapter 16, verse 33, In this world you will have trouble. We can't faith trouble away. And despite what Oprah or Eckhart Tolle or philosophers of today might teach, we cannot attract only good circumstances to ourselves. Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble. There will be storms. We need to expect them. Sometimes it feels like Jesus is sleeping through our storms, doesn't it? It's when we've prayed and prayed. We might have other people praying and the prayer team's praying. And things are not getting any better. In fact, they seem to be getting worse. We feel just like these disciples felt. We asked Jesus, don't you care? Don't you care that we're drowning here, Jesus? Where are you? Why are you sleeping through my storm? I think we can relate to how they felt. Jesus may let the storm go way longer than we want, and he doesn't usually do what we want. We want the storm gone and now. Jesus doesn't remove, he doesn't fix, he doesn't calm all storms in this life. When he walked on earth, he didn't heal all sick people. He didn't raise all dead people to life. He didn't eradicate poverty. But we can see in these verses, when we follow Jesus, we can trust that he's with us in the boat, even if it seems like he's sleeping, and he will get us through the storm. He promises his followers in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. He does not promise that he will come and remove all storms in this life. So why does Jesus allow this storm? And why does he sleep through it until they're nearly drowning? There's many reasons. We're going to look at two. Not enough time to go on with more. But there's many things in this life that we are not going to understand, right? God's ways truly are higher than our ways. If you think about the view of a hurricane from a satellite image, you see the big picture. You can see how big it is, how fast it's going, the direction it's headed. Think about the opposite view and you're in the middle of the hurricane the perspective is very very different isn't it you don't see how big it is you don't see how long it's going to last you don't know where it's headed Tim Keller says those who are closest to the action have the worst perspective that's true that's our perspective and our storms God's perspective is much higher he sees the big picture we can learn to trust that he knows what he's doing that he has reasons for the storm that we might not understand and we may never know Elizabeth Elliot, who's a Christian author, tells us of a time when she was with a shepherd taking care of his sheep. And the sheep developed or they got mites. And the only way to remove the mites from the sheep was to take the sheep and dip each sheep in a giant vat of insecticide and literally hold the sheep under the insecticide to the point where they felt like they were drowning. The, sh- the shepherd knows that he's doing this because he's caring for his sheep. He's giving them good care. He's doing what's necessary to save their lives. The sheep could not possibly understand this. They felt like they were drowning. That's how we feel sometimes in our storms, right? Why are you letting me go under, God? I'm drowning here. We can trust in the storms that Jesus knows what he's doing, that he does care for us, that he has a purpose, and it's for good even if we don't understand. There's a second reason Jesus let this storm go on until they were nearly drowning, Many of these disciples were experienced fishermen. They knew the sea well. They made their living on it. They, it was probably a place where they felt very comfortable, very competent, and very capable. This sudden terrorizing storm showed them how helpless they could quickly become, even in a place they felt confident and capable. They knew the sea well enough to know that they really were in great danger. They'd probably been bailing and bailing with buckets, trying to save themselves from going down, and they'd come to the point where they know it's not going to work. They have no more hope. Jesus is their only hope. He wants them at this point. Without Jesus, they realized they would drown. And in fact, in the same account in the Gospel of Matthew, the disciples say, Lord, save us, we're going to drown. They didn't say we might drown. They knew they were almost drowning. They were experienced fishermen. Jesus was teaching them that their very lives depended on him. They knew their lives were at risk, and they couldn't save themselves. They needed Jesus to save them. Jesus talks about wanting his followers to have childlike faith, and I actually like to think of it more like toddler-like faith. When you think of a toddler with a parent, how dependent a toddler is on that parent, they're dependent for food, for shelter, for protection, for clothing, for everything. That's the kind of faith Jesus wants us to have in him, like toddlers with parents, completely, desperately dependent on him for everything. It goes against human nature, though, doesn't it? We want to be independent and self reliant, but we need to understand that our very lives depend on Jesus. Have we gotten to this point? It's the right place to be to admit that we need to be saved, first of all, from the guilt of our sin, and then in all the storms of life to be desperately dependent on Jesus because we know He is our only hope of getting to the other side. Jesus was teaching the disciples, and He's teaching us here that there are and there will be storms in life that we cannot survive on our own, even if we feel quite capable today. Maybe you haven't faced any of those storms yet. Most likely, one day, we all will. Billy Graham talks about the three big storms, or the three big problems of life that no human has been able to solve. The smartest, the most capable, the most competent, the most wealthy, the Navy SEALs, Bill Gates, Einstein, Stephen Hawking, none of these people have been able to solve these problems. What are they? So the three storms that humans have not been able to solve are first of all the problem of evil. It still exists. How can we get rid of it? We haven't been able to eliminate murder and terrorism, child molestation, mass killings. They still exist. Human suffering, it's another problem that people have not been able to eliminate. Poverty, illness, hunger, people have been trying for centuries to eliminate these problems, haven't successfully done so. And then the third problem that no human's been able to fix or eliminate is death. How can we avoid that? All of us will face that. Steve Jobs couldn't fix that problem with the latest, greatest product, as creative and brilliant as he was. The storm in Luke chapter 8 can symbolize all three of these problems. This storm at sea clearly shows how helpless humans can quickly become in the immensity of the storms of life. And it shows that Jesus has power over every storm. Jesus has the solution. Jesus actually is the solution. And it's not a coincidence that in the rest of Luke chapter 8, Jesus goes to show that he has power over evil, over human suffering, and over death. Maybe some of us won't be directly affected by great human suffering or evil but I think it's safe to assume that all of us will be affected by death at some point in time, whether it's our own or loved ones. How will we make it through that storm to the other side safely? How will we handle the big storms of life? Will we feel competent and capable to face them clinging to our own life rafts? The life rafts that we cling to in the big storms of life are things like self-sufficiency, Human capabilities, human abilities, financial resources. Will these get us through the worst storms of life, the loss of a loved one, or terminal cancer? Do we see that without help, without Jesus, we will not survive on our own? We won't make it to the other side. Maybe some of us think that we will. In this passage, Jesus is teaching that in the terrorizing storms of life, we need him. He's something way more stable and secure than our life rafts. He is our only hope. It's hard to admit that, though, when life is good, when the seas are calm, when everything's going well. It's in the storms when we'll more likely admit and understand our need of Jesus. It's in the terrorizing storms that we realize we need him. He is something way more dependable and secure than our life rafts. So what do you do when you need help? Who do you go to? Or what do you do when you feel like you're going to drown? What did these disciples do? Well, they were in the boat with Jesus, so they went to Jesus, and they woke him up. Teacher, teacher, don't you care if we're going to drown here? They were not perfect people. They were very far from it. They were broken people who saw their need of Jesus. They weren't trying to be something they weren't. They didn't go to him acting brave and acting holy. They went to him exactly as they were, completely helpless, dependent, and needy needing his help, not going to him in their strength or their capability or their holiness. They went to him just as they are. And it's how Jesus wants all of us to come to him, exactly as we are. He accepts us exactly as we are. We can't hide or pretend because he knows exactly how we are. So the disciples come to him, and they wake Jesus up. I doubt they gave him a gentle little nudge. They probably shook him awake, violently saying, How can you sleep through this? Don't you know we're about to drown? Don't you care? How can you be sleeping through this? That was their prayer. So they were questioning Jesus' love for them. When they said, Don't you care if we're drowning? That was questioning Jesus' love. It's how we sometimes react in storms too, isn't it? We think, He mustn't love me. God would not have let this happen if He really cared if He loved me. I thought if I was following Jesus, stuff like this would never happen. He mustn't care. What's going on here? In the storms, Jesus wants his followers to come to him, not with a perfect prayer, but with our real thoughts and feelings. When a storm happens, something unexpected, sudden, out of the blue, my first reaction is not to get on my knees and pray some holy prayer. My first reaction is to do exactly what these disciples did. Go to Jesus and say, Help me here. Can't you see I'm in a crisis? What are you going to do? How are you going to help me get through this? I need your help. Help me, Lord. That's exactly where Jesus wants us to be. Many times I've been at his feet just crying and pouring my heart out to him. He wants us there. He can handle our our needs, our messes, our doubts, our real feelings, our anger. He can handle it all. He wants us to be real with him, wearing no masks, with no pretense, certainly with not with no sense that he owes us something, but in humility going to him, acknowledging him for who he really is, the source of everything we need, and who we are in front of him, dependent and needy. Some of you may be familiar with a man named Marcus Luttrell, he's a Navy SEAL. He wrote the book Lone Survivor and his second book called Service. He and three other Navy SEALs were in Afghanistan in 2005 and they were ambushed by the Taliban. The other three SEALs died. In fact, 19 Americans died that day, and Marcus found himself alone in Afghanistan. Here he is, a highly trained Navy SEAL, capable, brave, strong, competent, and this is what he writes. Laid up in the middle of nowhere, badly wounded, and slowly dying from blood loss, exposure, and dehydration, I called out to God. There came at last an unlikely group of saviors, a posse of Pushkin tribesmen, not loyal to the Taliban, who found me and showed me mercy. They took me into their care, fended off my pursuers, led me to their village, and protected me as one of their own. As it turned out, God heard everything I had to say. He put my life in the hands of a doctor from that tribe and the village elder's son, who guarded and sheltered me for four days until my brother in arms came for me, as they always do for one of their own. Here's Marcus Luttrell, a highly trained, highly competent Navy SEAL, in the same exact position as as these disciples found themselves, completely dependent, crying out to God for help, and God saved him. Maybe sometimes Jesus sleeps through our storms so that he'll wake us up to show us how much we really do need him, to show us how much... We need to depend on him. When it seems like he's sleeping through our storms, we can trust that he knows what he's doing. He hasn't left us. His followers can trust and depend on him to get us through the storm to the other side. To get through the storms without drowning, we need to follow Jesus and we need to depend on Jesus. We can do this by going to him, praying, waking him up, and asking him for help. Thirdly, we see in this passage that Jesus can calm any storm. Jesus calms a storm in Luke chapter 8, and then he asks his followers, where's your faith? Where's your faith in me? In this passage, Jesus is teaching that he can calm all storms. Notice when Jesus calms a storm, he doesn't pray and ask God to calm the storm. He doesn't get on his knees. He doesn't march around the boat seven times. He simply says three words, and this is from Mark chapter 4, verse 39. He says, peace, be still. He says this to a violent storm, and the storm listens to him. It's like a parent would say to a child, shh, be quiet, and the child listens. Who can do this? Who can calm a storm like that? Only God himself can calm a storm like that. Only God himself has control over nature. Jesus is teaching here that he is God. Do we believe this? Have we admitted that Jesus is God, that he is all-powerful? He's teaching that he's God, and we are not. He has control, and we do not. When we're in his boat, we can have hope and security in any storm, but we're not going to have control. This is hard to admit. Have we admitted it? He's God, or he is not. There's no in-between. Some might ask, well, how do we know that this even happened?" There's no proof that Jesus calmed the storm. We don't have any evidence of it. And it could be that these disciples just made this story up. How do we know it really happened? Well, I believe it really happened because a large number of Jesus' disciples were martyred for teaching that he is God, for teaching that he did these exact things. People will die for what they believe to be true. People will not die for what they know they made up. I believe Jesus did this because I do not believe his disciples would have died because they made this up. To trust Jesus in the storms, we need to believe he has power over the storms. We need to believe that he's still in control, that he is good, and that he can calm any storm. And yet, sometimes he doesn't. He doesn't calm every storm on this earth. When he doesn't calm the storm, though, he will help his followers endure the storm with hope and not with despair. He'll provide what we need to endure. His followers can trust In Jesus' boat that everything bad will be used for good somehow, that everything good really is eternal, things like forgiveness of sins, our relationship with God, our relationship with other believers, and that the best is yet to come, and the best is in a new heaven and a new earth where all storms will be calmed, where there'll be no more storms, where there'll be complete peace. Everything wrong in this world will be made right in the new heaven and the new earth. Knowing this, believing this, makes the worst of this life's storms bearable. This is from Jonathan Edwards' sermon. Uh, He was a Christian pastor in the 1700s. He was said to be one of America's greatest preachers, and it's from one of his sermons. So after Jesus calms the storm, Jesus asks his disciples, Where's your faith? Notice he doesn't say you need some faith or get more faith, he says, where is your faith? Where is that tiny little bit of faith you have in me? It's like Jesus is saying, remember what you know about me in this storm. Tim Keller puts it this way. He says, Jesus is asking them or telling them, get out your faith in me and use it. Using our faith in Jesus is not automatic. We have to intentionally choose to remember what we know about Jesus in the storms. Our natural human instinct is to panic and be afraid. That's natural. That's what we do as humans. But faith is applying what we know about Jesus. That's Martin Lloyd-Jones' definition of faith. He's a a Christian pastor as well. Faith is applying what we know about Jesus and acting accordingly. So what do these disciples know about Jesus? They had enough evidence of his love and power at this point to be able to take out their faith in him and use it. In Luke chapter 5, Jesus had healed the sick. In Luke chapter 7, he'd raised a boy um, from death to life. They'd also heard Jesus say, let's go to the other side. They knew Jesus said they were going to the other side. They knew he was trustworthy. They could have taken out their faith in him, what they knew about him, and trusted that he would get them to the other side. They could have gone to him and and woke him up and said, we need help, please bring us to the other side here, Jesus. That would be getting out their faith in him and using it. So I have two children, Trey and Megan, and a lot of times for their birthdays, Christmas, they get gift cards as gifts. Y'all probably do too. And then they'll go shopping, and they'll go to the stores where they had gift cards, and they'll buy things, and they'll come home with what they bought. And I'll open the drawer, and I'll see the gift, the gift cards sitting in the drawer. The gift cards have value on them. And I'll say to them, you have to get the gift cards out of the drawer and use them. It's like what Jesus was saying to his disciples here. You have faith in me, even if it's just a little bit. Get out your faith in me and use it. Use what you know about me. Remember what you know about me in the storm. How do we do that in our current storm? We do it by remembering, which is not the opposite of forgetting, but by focusing on and intentionally thinking about what we know of Jesus. In the storm, we can remember. Jesus can handle this storm. It's true, it is a big storm. I am in danger, but he's more powerful than this storm. He's in control. He's with me, and he won't leave me. He'll provide what I need. He's not surprised by this storm. He knew it was coming. He's allowing it for a good reason. He will either calm this storm, or he will help me endure it. One way or the other, he's going to get me to the other side, whether that's on this earth or in heaven with him for eternity. In the meantime, I'm going to do the next right thing. That's taking out our faith in Jesus and using it. In the storm, we need to learn to focus on Jesus and not on the storm. That's how we can have peace in the storm like Jesus did. So what's your faith in? We can have faith in many different things. Some people have faith in themselves, in their own abilities, in their resources. Other people have faith in a positive outcome. Jesus wants us to have faith in him, in who he is, in what he has done, and what he says he will do. It's not the amount of faith we have in Jesus that matters. It's where our faith is in, who our faith is in. The object of our faith is what matters most, not the amount of faith we have. So let's say you have a teensy tiny bit of faith in a very strong bridge and you go across the bridge. You're going to make it in the, over that bridge. It doesn't matter how much faith you had in the bridge. What matters is the strength of the bridge. On the other hand, let's say you go across a very unsturdy bridge, yet you have great faith in this unsturdy bridge. When you go across, it's going to collapse. The amount of faith you had in the bridge doesn't matter. The strength of the bridge is what matters most. So we need to put our faith in Jesus. He's the sturdy bridge, and not in a preferred outcome, not in a storm-free life, not in our own abilities. That's not going to get us through in the worst storms of these, in, our, in this lifetime. Putting our faith in Jesus is also very different than the power of positive thinking. That's putting our faith in a positive outcome. It's also very different than leading or following our hearts. Our hearts want storm-free lives. They want comfort and things to go our way. That's not the same as putting our faith in Jesus. To follow Jesus, we need to lead our hearts to faith in him. How can we do this? Jesus calmed the storms with his words. Three words. Peace, be still. He still calms our storms with his words. In Romans chapter 10, verse 17, it tells us how we can get faith in Jesus, how we can grow our faith in Jesus, even if it's just a little teeny tiny bit. Romans chapter 10, verse 17 says, Faith comes from hearing the word of Christ. So we can hear the word of Christ as we read the Bible on our own and do what it says. We can hear the word of Christ as we go to a small group or Join a women's Bible study or a men's Bible study and lots of these will be starting in September. I hope you'll take advantage of that opportunity and sign up for a place where you can hear the word of Christ with other people and grow to know Jesus as you learn to read the Bible, understand what it's saying. And then finally, we can hear the word of Christ as we come to church. That's what we're doing now. Keep coming. How faith, this is how faith grows. It's how we follow Jesus and lead our hearts. Are we doing this? If not, There's no better time to start than now. To make it through the storms without drowning, we need to follow Jesus, we need to depend on Jesus, and we need to get out our faith in Jesus and use it. So in closing, I'm learning now how to trust Jesus in any storm, how to have peace through any storm, to actually become more like him in the storms, which is full of peace. How can we do this? We can do this by knowing and focusing on how much Jesus loves us, even if he's letting the storm go on for way too long, in our our view. We have more evidence of Jesus' love and power for us than the disciples had in Luke chapter 8. We have knowledge of Jesus' death on the cross. On the cross, Jesus chose to face the worst storm possible in the history of mankind from the beginning to the end. He faced great physical pain through a crucifixion, but lots of people have been crucified and faced that physical pain. The spiritual pain Jesus faced was much, much worse than the physical pain. The spiritual pain he suffered was separation from the Father because he took on the guilt of all human sin. And he could have refused to do this. He chose to do it. First of all, he chose to leave heaven where he was worshipped, where angels bowed down. He chose to leave that and come to earth to be born as a man. Then he chose to give complete control of himself to the forces of evil and human beings, yet he really was still in complete control. He chose to stay on the cross. He could have commanded angels to come and rescue him at any point, but he chose to stay there. Why did he choose to stay there? For one reason, and that one reason was us, for those that would believe in him so that we can have every spiritual blessing now and eternity with him. Tim Keller puts it this way, Jesus was forsaken by God so that his followers never will be. Jesus was forsaken by God so that we never will be. It's so unfair what Jesus got and what we get. What Jesus got was great physical and spiritual suffering, separation from the Father, hell. What did he get for going through all that? Did he get more power and more glory? No. He had all that from the beginning. He didn't get more power or more glory. The only thing he got for all he suffered was us, people that would believe in him and follow him. I heard a quote that summarizes it. Don't know who said it, but the quote is Jesus would rather go to hell for us than be in heaven without us. Jesus would rather go to hell for us than be in heaven without us. So I'm learning that I can trust Jesus in any storm because of his real love. He went to and stayed on the cross for me to provide a way for my forgiveness and so that I can know him now and live with him forever. This proves how much he loves me. It proves how much he cares. If he loved me that much, if he stayed on that cross for me, I know I can stay in the boat with him through the storm. He's not going to abandon me now. I can trust him no matter what because I know he loves me. He proved it on the cross. I can have peace in any storm because I know this, that he loves me, he's in control, he's going to get me through to the other side somehow. He'll never forsake me, he'll never leave me, and I'm going to get to know him better. I'm going to experience his love in the storm. So Jesus asked his followers, who is this? I'm sorry, Jesus' followers asked, who is this? They learned, I'm learning, and I hope you are too, that following Jesus will get us through the storms to the other side, even if it seems like he's sleeping through our storms, we can choose to depend on him, follow him, and get out our faith in him. Even if it's just a teeny tiny little bit, we can get out our faith in him and use it. That's trusting Jesus in the storms. So I've been through some storms recently. I would consider all of them Category 1, not Category 5 storms. Doing this is a Category 1 storm for me. When Michael called and asked me to do this and talk about whatever you want, that was a storm for me. Some of you might be able to sleep through my storm. I can't sleep through this. But I know that I'm in Jesus' boat. I'm following him. He's not going to leave me, and he's going to get me through the storm to the other side. And look, I'm still standing. He did it, and I'm done. (laughs) Praise the Lord. (laughs) Let me pray. Lord God, we thank you that you do stick with us. You never leave us. You never forsake us. We thank you for that. We thank you that we can follow you. We can depend on you. We can take out our faith in you and use it in the storms. Help us to do that. We ask this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen.